0: You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3.
1: Now, the Indian markets have been amongst the best performing in the region over the last year. The Nifty 50, one of, the, one of India's benchmark indices, has gained over 20% in 2023. And now we're getting in a view from India then. Radhika Rao, who's a senior economist and executive director at DBS Bank Singapore, joins in. Radhika, good morning. Hi, morning. Hi. You know, I want to start off with the Indian budget that's going to be tabled on the 1st of February. This is expected to be an an interim budget since India goes to election uh, over April and May, which is when the new uh, party in power would be presenting uh, the full budget. But, you know, this one, the interim budget is supposed to be a rather simple one. But what are your expectations, uh, especially as it comes at, at this critical juncture?
0: You know, um, many of the economic stakeholders uh, will be watching this budget quite closely. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, it's an interim budget because it's coming ahead of the election. Uh, thereafter, a full-fledged version will be tabled around uh, June, July, mid of the year. Uh, so, I think the, uh, the headline, um, you know, implications or headline takeaways will be most important to watch. Uh, things like, you know, whether the government has stuck to its uh, deficit consolidation path. We think they would have. Uh, you know, in the year we are in and the year we are going into, in terms of fiscal year, we expect uh, the fiscal deficit to narrow, which essentially means that you know the finances are getting better. Uh, revenues have been strong, so I think it's helping to fund uh, you know, the increase in spending as well. Uh, apart from just these numbers, I think uh, the breakdown will also be in focus as well as announcements. So, I think in terms of where the focus would be, it would be perhaps to uh, boost the rural farm community. Uh, you know, they've faced, um, you know, output has been weaker because of bad weather. Uh, so I think some uh, support there in terms of better insurance coverage, cash handouts, as well as as well as vulnerable families, uh, you know, some kind of cash uh, and kind handout as well. Uh, so these are the top line things that we are looking at. Uh, certainly, I think for the markets, especially the bond markets, how much the government will borrow will become important. And where those expectations are is that uh, a size similar to last year or a bit lower uh, is what is expected, which should bode well for the uh, debt market, especially the bond yield. Right.
1: I also want to talk about what you think foreign investors would be watching out for in terms of policies and announcements, uh, maybe on the FTA front, sectors that could be in focus, especially as the government looks to attract foreign capital.
0: So, um, I think for the foreign investors, insofar as the budget is concerned, uh, you know they'll be just looking at uh, you know signs of fiscal discipline. I think they will find um, the fine print on that, which is that the deficit continues to go down, which will help the overall debt levels as well. Uh, So, uh, in terms of where the government focuses in the investment spending, certainly, um, you know I'm not an equity uh, analyst, but. A uh, look at taking a top down view i would i would think any counters that uh, have to do with the capital goods where you know an infrastructure plays uh in terms of some of some of the electronics export oriented sectors uh these are some of the uh you know sectors which might uh, i would say directly correlate to what's happening in the economy overall overall uh and as The global environment gets better, Uh, as consumption gets better, I think some of the uh, uh, consumption-oriented sectors might also be of interest. And the third big leg is, of course, what's been a favorite for foreign investors, which is the financial sector, particularly the banking names. Uh, So these are some of the pockets, we think, where there could be action.
1: Right. I want to talk a little bit more politics as well, Radhika. You know, politics is a very important leg and the framework within which businesses and the financial industry thrives in any country. Uh, Prime Minister Modi had a strong start to the year. We had uh, the inauguration of the Ayodhya Temple. And uh, interestingly, you know, I'm hearing of something called the religious economy and the boost uh, that Ayodhya and the neighboring regions saw from that. That said, do you think that we would potentially be seeing a Continuation of uh, existing policies, which most of the times businesses take and look upon as a positive.
0: Certainly, I think uh, for any emerging market, I think political stability is a big plus. Um, and the recent developments seem to suggest uh, that these elections might see the ruling party uh, or the ruling coalition uh, come back with a bigger mandate. You know, state elections they have done well, which was in November of last year. Uh, most recently this weekend, we also had signs of fissures in the opposition alliance in one of the key states, uh, which again, uh, you know will strengthen the rural parties uh, uh, and hold over some of the heartland states. Uh, so in all in signs, you know positive, so political stability, continuity, and reform, as well as structural changes uh, going into the elections. Uh, but I think I don't think the government would uh, necessarily take that as an as a given. Uh, so you would see, uh, while the risk of competitive populism has gone gone down, uh, we do think that there, in their tone and in their uh, push, it would be very pro-growth, uh, you know, pro-people um, as we head into the into the election.
1: Right I also want to talk a little bit more about uh, the labor trends in India we, we all know it has a large young demographic uh, population large working uh, and a, a young working population at that however with you know the leaps and bounds with which uh, artificial intelligence is growing and changing uh, you know by the moment what impact do you possibly see on la- India's labor trends not just over the next year but a slightly longer term perspective and the possible risks for from AI developments?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, for a populous country like India, especially with the growing, still growing working age population, at least for the next uh, decade, decade, two decades, uh, jobs generation will be very important. Um, I think what the, uh, the the current labor market is, you know, the uh, uh, concentration is quite skewed. It's still very farm heavy. Uh, at least about 40-45% is still in the farm sector, uh, about 30-18% in the, uh, uh, in the manufacturing. So I think in terms of labor absorption, uh, the focus would be much more on, on manufacturing and construction, which are more labor intensive. And I think towards that, you have seen quite a big, strong push, uh, towards, uh, attracting foreign names as well as, uh, encouraging local names and stepping into, uh, electronics, especially mobile phone manufacturing, assembly, packaging. Uh, you know that part of the chain, and also hopefully climb up the chain in the next ten years or so. So I think that would be the way to go to absorb the excess labour uh, services as we know it's disproportionate. It's a contribution to growth, but does not absorb as much labour. So I think manufacturing is will be very very key. And to answer your question on the AI front, uh, certainly while AI poses a risk, I think uh, India has found its niche in something called the GCCs, which is the Global Capability Centers, uh, where they've been able to employ you know a couple of million and hopefully grow more as well. Uh, so yes, there are risks, but I think there are some pockets of opportunity uh, which the economy is realizing and uh, hoping to expand its footprint uh, to absorb the additional labor uh, which which uh, you know joins the market every year.
1: Fantastic, uh, Radhika. I'm just going to ask a last quick question. Uh, your outlook for the Indian rupee, we're trading at, which is trading at, uh, you know, record lows, I believe, at around the 83.1 mark against the U.S. dollar. Uh, do you think that we have a base in place? What's the currency outlook, especially as it impacts real returns foreign investors make?
0: Yeah, I mean, the rupee has been remarkably stable. Uh, I think the volatility has been very low. Uh, and that is partly also thanks to the, uh, you know, the central bank's preference to keep the currency in a very predictable range. Uh, so for the past six months or so, you've seen the currency pretty much be a uh, dollar rupee that is, uh, just above 83 in 83, 83, 20 kind of range, some parts about 83, 830. Um, looking ahead for the year forward, our FX strategists of the view that as Fed begins to consider policy easing uh, in the second half of the year, uh, that would see the dollar actually pull back and uh, settle into a range, which essentially drawing it to the dollar-rupee, we think it will also pull pull back uh, towards the 82 or the uh, 81.5 kind of levels. Uh, but certainly, I think um, even that kind of transaction would involve a strong hand by the authorities to keep it uh, stable, uh, even if it's you know whichever direction it's moving in, uh, and also keep volatility low. Um, you know essentially to make sure that that doesn't become a right. problem area uh, for the investors
1: alright radhika we'd leave it there thank you so much for joining in.